This is The Playbook. I've had a long, long relationship with money. It started being poor. Anybody here grow up poor? Yeah. I feel sorry for the rest of you Um, because you'll never learn what I learned. Uh, I've been poor twice in my life. Uh, I grew up in a place called Akron, Ohio. That's a great place to be from, O-H-I-O. I want to talk about relationship to money and the understanding and the science of money because money is an energy. It's a currency. It's an object of energy that we put into the flow to get what we want. And when I was little, I thought that money bought love and happiness. And it's because I didn't understand the other currency, the other object of energy that we put into the flow to get what we want, which is faith. And so I put my faith in the money knowing that I would be rich one day for only one reason. I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. I had a mom, an unbelievable mom. My eyes are watering because of the wind, but I'll probably end up crying every time I talk about her because I had a single mom. My dad left when I was five. She raised six kids, five boys and a girl, and literally we grew up so happy. She was a second grade teacher, packed my dinner in a paper bag, had the older kids teach the younger kids in the car, filled up turnstiles uh, turn at 7-Elevens and convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. To make matters worse, my dad in the 70s was a deadbeat dad, very wealthy, married a girl closer to my age than his, and me, sitting in the back seat of the Country Squire station wagon, used to tell my mom, why can't you be more like dad? Meanwhile, he had given her no child support, left her with six kids broke while he was enjoying his life. And at that time, I told my mom I wasn't going to listen to her, um, which was true. And I learned later on in life, kids don't listen to their parents, but they watched them. And I watched my mom struggle. My mom was incredible. All my siblings went to the Ivy Leagues, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, graduated summa cum laude. My mom believed the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. Uh, she had a great saying, doctor, lawyer, or failure. And literally, um, I was uh, the only child that didn't go to the Ivy Leagues because I wanted to be a professional football player. And that's how I was going to make my money. I was going to buy my mom a house and a car because the only time we weren't happy was when the car broke down or we couldn't afford rent or we couldn't afford food. And I'd catch her crying. And I would tell myself, there's no way that I'm not going to be rich. Money's going to buy me the only thing that's missing in my life, which was love and happiness, the final piece. And so I worked really hard to be a professional football player, but it ended quickly. I got a scholarship to college. And my freshman year, first game, I was the fastest one on the team. So they put me as the bullet on the kickoff team, the the guy on the farthest end. And I remember thinking to myself, this is it, NFL's coming, everybody's watching, I'm gonna show how great I am at 147 pounds. And I ran down, and sure enough, I hit the ball carrier, and I thought right when I hit him, that's it. I just showed everybody. Next thing I know, I'm flying backwards, onto my back, the running back stepped on me and kept running. As I lied on my back, I thought to myself, doctor, lawyer, or failure? And that running back was Christian Okoyebe, by the way, the Nigerian nightmare, and I still have nightmares, and his autograph on my chest, size 13, um, if you're wondering. Why that's important, though, is that money in relationship to faith, the currency of money, the object of energy that we put into the flow, is determinative upon what we believe our potential is. And the potential that we're given comes from a genetic and, and, and a 
energetic inheritance that we have. It's a quantum level that we can reach in this lifetime. And a lot of us pursue opportunities or pursue professions, careers, and jobs that our potential may not be at equilibrium to. And we wonder why we can't quite get there. And I'm sure looking at me, you realize that my potential as an NFL star was probably limited. But in my mind, I thought for sure I was there. And I see many people do that with opportunity, with money, that there's just not the potential that you want and you sink into, especially as entrepreneurs, all the timing and risk for a potential that's not equal to what you want. And so for me, I realized that in my life, and I've made over $100 million, lost it and made it back, uh, that my potential didn't lie on a football field. But what I learned to do through that process of being a football player was to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of my potential. I just had to learn to pick the right potential, one that would give me the result that I wanted. But then I had to know what the result that I wanted and not get so busy working that I forget to make money. Now, how's that all related? Is the first thing that I realize is there's a, a law called gravity. And the law of gravity is completely synergistic with the currency of money, meaning that most people that want money forget the first step, and that's ex you're exactly where you're supposed to be. The law of gravity, remember, the earth is spinning, hurling, and throwing and rotating itself, but yet you're standing right here, and I see so many people having a relationship with money without being grateful that they're exactly where they're supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time. See, most people take for granted what other people are wishing for. And never before in human existence has everybody on earth worried about human existence until now. And how many of us have forgot the importance of breathing until now? How many of us have taken for granted the fact that you're here exactly where you're supposed to be with everything you need? And your life will change. Your money situation, the currencies of faith and the currency of money will change when you realize you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're grounded where you're supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time, and that's based in gratitude. I spent years and years trying to figure out how to make money and didn't realize the power of one simple tool, gratitude. How many of you say thank you every day? Anyone? Good. I tell people all the time, if you want to change your life in any aspect of your life, your health, your wealth, your worthiness, and your happiness, simply say thank you for 30 straight days. Say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up, it takes 0.1 seconds to say thank you and it's free. The amazing thing about it is, how many of you think you can say thank you for 30 straight days? Anyone? What I want you to do, if you think you can say thank you for 30 straight days, I want you to take score of your health, your wealth, your worthiness and happiness, put a one to 10 score on that, say thank you for 30 straight days before you go to bed and when you wake up and then take a new score. I promise you, physics, metaphysics, and quantum physics will tell you it is impossible that that score will not go up. Here's the saddest thing. I have studied physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics. I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council with Deepak, with Bob Proctor, Jack Canfield, all the great world thought leaders. All of them have a ton of different businesses around gratitude. All of them agree between gratitude journals and apps and 10-day challenges, whatever. It's the easiest and cheapest way to change your life. But by tonight... Half of you that raised your hands won't say thank you. By tomorrow morning, another half of you that raised your hands won't say thank you. And within three days, almost all of us won't say thank you. That's why you don't want have what you want.
It's that simple. We can't enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential because we think we have to go get health, wealth, worthiness, and happiness. You don't because the law of gravity states one thing. You're exactly where you are. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. You have everything you need. In other words, you're happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy right now. Let's figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. Let's figure out what you're doing to interfere with because you are connected to the greatest source of power, the unbelievable, omniscient, all-powerful source, whatever you believe religiously or philosophically or spiritually, I promise you, you all are connected to abundance, to more than enough. See, most people, when they grow up like me, they always live in a world of not enough. Not enough of anything, you're a victim, everything happens to you, and then if you're lucky like me, and make millions and millions of dollars and have everything you ever dreamed of, you'll at least move into a world of for me, a world of just enough for me. And you'll pretend like I did that you're a philanthropist, right? Somebody in your lifetime will tell you, the more you give, the more you receive. And you'll buy into that like I did and you'll buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like. You'll drive cars you don't need to impress people you don't like. You will think that money is buying you love and happiness until you end up empty because everything is actually happening for you or to you, not through you. And when you realize what you're connected to and through, and you realize that there's a step you have to take before the more you give, the more you receive takes place, and it's you can't give what you don't have, and you have to learn to receive. You have to learn to receive what you're connected to and through. So what do I mean by this? This is what happens. If you know what you have and you're grateful for it, you're not taking for granted. Let's say you have this much and then you appreciate it. You guys are in real estate. When you appreciate real estate, it adds value. So now you have this much when you appreciate what you have. Now, you don't know what you have until you've given it away. That's how we acknowledge what we have by giving it away. You acquire the knowledge. It's impossible to acquire the knowledge of what you have until you've given it away. So when you've given it away, you now have a greater void to fill. Mathematically, physically, you have more to fill when you've appreciated what you've had and given it away. Now you have to know what to ask for. This is where the relationship of the two currencies take place. The currency of money, but the currency of faith the currency of faith tells you I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I live in a world of more than enough. In fact, the paradigm shift that changed my life was somebody told me, I have four children. They said, you know the way you feel about your children? You know what you will do for your children? That's the same way that the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing feels about you. Think about that. The way you feel about the people you love the most, if you have children, what you would do for your children, but you're not powerful. You can't do everything that you want for your children. In fact, it manifests itself in ignorant arrogance that we care so much and are so fearful for our children that we pretend to know what's best for them. And then we create more void shortages and obstacles instead of having faith, the ultimate currency, faith. The object of energy that you put into flow to get what you want to create and fill the void that you want. So how do we do it? Five daily practices are how we do it. How do we take the conscious continuum of what we do every day, put it in our subconscious and change our unconscious competency, our thermostat that keeps giving us the exact same things that we genetically and energetically inherited? How do we do it? Well, the system works by consistent, persistent behavior, but you have to enjoy it. You can't attach your emotions to an outcome especially in business. 
I can't tell you how many times I failed because I attached my emotions to an outcome of a business. I'll be happy when I get 10 times this much. I'll be happy when that stock hits this, my property hits that. I've immediately created resistance between me and that when I should have put my emotions on enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of the potential of the opportunity, blending the currency of money with the currency of faith. So how do we do it? Number one, you got to know what you want. How many people ask about investments? I heard Joel with a great investment. It sounds like one of the best investments that I've heard. But I didn't hear anyone talk about here's the timing and risk tolerance that is necessary in order to make that investment. I have tons of people. Should I invest in crypto? Should, crypto, should I invest in NFT? Should I invest in this real estate? My favorite. Should I invest in real estate? <laughs> well, what's your timing and risk tolerance? <laughs> We can't, we can't do anything unless we know our what. What do you want personally? What do you want experientially? What do you want giving-wise? And what do you want receiving-wise? And take inventory, not every week, every month, or every year, but every day take inventory because what you want to do is have subtle changes instead of drastic changes. So if you're driving a car for 90 straight days at a certain speed and then they ask you to turn left because you're going the wrong way, what's going to happen? Right? A lot of risk a lot of damage. But if you're every day looking to see how I adjust, seeing that pain is just an indicator, not a stop sign. It's an indicator that you have a better place, a better position, a better situation to be in. That takes faith. In order to institute the law of gravity and the law of Goya, G-O-Y-A, getting off your ass, you have to have faith that there's something better. There's something better. When you can see pain, struggles, mistakes, and failures as lessons and indicating that you have a better place to be, I get excited when things don't work out like I want because I have the faith that there is an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-omniscient all being that's telling me, and the only way they can indicate to me that there's a better place to be is to give me a struggle, a pain, a mistake, or a failure. That's the only way. Since the time we were little, what happens when you put your hand into fire? Right? The omniscient being says, shit, that hurts. I think I have a better way to deal with this. That's exactly what's happening in your businesses, in your life, in your personal relationships. And instead, we don't see it that way, that it's telling us there's a better place to be because we don't have faith in the law of gravity or the law of Goya, which creates the law of allowance or the law of attraction. See, most people think you can put a vision board out there and go ahead and dream about what you want, right? I'm in the movie Beyond the Secret. I, I didn't like the movie The Secret, which is completely ironic because it, I hated that scene where the person's dreaming about driving a Ferrari and like all of a sudden he gets a Ferrari because he's dreaming about it, right? It's ridiculous, right? It, I owned a Ferrari. That's not how you get a Ferrari. You have to institute the law of Goya and then the law of allowance happens. You have to institute all three. You have to understand what you want is the most important thing. And then how do we get it? Who? You need to know who. The biggest downfall in my life, people ask me, what would you tell yourself when you're 18, 28, or 38 before you lost over $100 million? One piece of advice, I'd ask for help. I'd ask for help. I'd find someone in a situation that I wanted to be in, and I'd ask them for directions. So not only do you know your what, but if you know your who, who can you help, of course, and who can help you? People are afraid to ask for help. Who here likes to ask for help? That should be the complete opposite. 
The fastest way to get to where you want to be is ask for directions from someone that's already there. Who here feels good when somebody asks them for help? Isn't that funny? We're all afraid to ask for help, but we all feel good when someone asks us for help. And all we really want to do is make somebody else feel good. But yet when we think about asking for help, we think somehow we're going to be a burden. We're going to hurt their feelings, be a diminished capacity of some sort. It's the exact opposite. The people who are receiving are the ones that are giving the most. The people that are receiving are giving the most, and the people that receive are asking for help. They live in ignorant humility, not ignorant arrogance. They know they don't know what they don't know, so they're going to find someone that knows it and ask them for help. They're going to find someone like me that's paid $100 million in dummy tax, so they don't have to pay $100 million in dummy tax. And in order to know your who, you then can determine how am I going to get there in the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way. If you use a lens in your life in how you're getting things done by productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, you will be efficient, effective, and statistically successful in what you do. So you're looking at how much value can I provide, how productive am I, accessibility is how accessible am I to others to be of service or value, and how am I accessing what I want. Someone told me last night I went to a great dinner party by Joel, thank you by the way, and they're talking about Jim Quick, he put his little message out there. And I said, God, you know, it'd be so nice to be Jim Quick and remember like everybody's name and everything. And I said, but I'd much rather be good at what I am, which is accessing. I can find the answer. There's so much data out there. I can't, and Jim can't remember everything. I'd rather practice accessing what I want. So accessibility is a lens that I use both to be accessible to as many people, to empower as many people, to empower as many people to be happy, to teach them to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun, which is the basis of what you want to do in life. That creates happiness. But also use it a lens of gratitude. As a muscle, seek the light, the love, and the lessons in everything. There's love in everything. You, your only determination with gratitude is whether it's worth your time, emotion, and value in order to find it. That's the determination of how. Is it worth it? Is this something that bleeds me or is something that feeds me? That's the simple choice that I make. What I found from the consulting that I do and coaching I do is that most people spend 80% of their time on what bleeds them personally and professionally. It's some natural discourse that we have that you know our most troubled child, the one that bleeds us, that's where we spend all our time. Uh, I consult for Gulf Oil, huge client, have for years. They had a client that made them $2 billion and a client that made them $20 million. They were putting far more resources in the $20 million client than the $2 billion. And I asked him why, and he said, well, we've had them for almost the entire existence of golf, they're easy. They're going to do business no matter what. They're easy. Well, what about these guys? Oh, they're new. They're 20 minutes. We really want to keep them and make them grow. And you're putting all those resources there? I said, why don't you take all the resources in the $20 million client, put it over here in the $2 billion client, make the investment in them, watch them become a $4 billion client, and get rid of the $20 million client. You do the exact same thing in your life personally, I promise you. Most of your relationships that you spend the most time, emotion, money, and value in are the ones that bleed you. So your only decision of a lens of gratitude is to figure out, and this is economically too in business, your investments. And I started changing my investments. How did I lose $100 million? Because I forgot to spend my time what I was good at, which was making money 
And I started spending my time on real estate, stocks, and all these things. And all of a sudden, my attention and intention created the coincidences I didn't want. And when I realized, why don't I shift the paradigm and I only am going to spend my focus and time on what feeds me, making money, and I'm going to figure out mechanisms, like people like Joel, for example, that can just tell me, hey, I'm going to take care of your money. You're never going to have to ask me a question. If you want to come visit me in four or five years, according to your timing and risk tolerance, I'll tell you what your return on investment is. Or is it an IUL or an annuity or something else that takes none of my attention? Why? Because I would rather double the amount of money I make than have the money I make double. I'd rather double the amount of make, money I make as fast as I can that I have complete control of than worry about my money doubling and all the attention and worry and all the things I don't want. See, what happens when we invest in the wrong things and we don't take a determination of our what, our who, and our how is we end up spending all the time, emotion, and energy on what bleeds us. And then we end up why we have nothing. See, remember, the mathematical equation of faith is simply what we pay attention to and what we give our intention to, what we think, say, do, believe, and understanding our unconscious competencies, which are your personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions handed down genetically and energetically, that determines the coincidences in your life. That's why people call you lucky. I don't think it's luck. I think it's mathematical faith. I will pay attention to and give intention to what I want, and that's what I will get. Most people pay attention and give intention to what they don't want, what's missing, or what other people want for them. What's missing, what they don't want, and what other people want for them. And then they resent the people that wanted it for them, even if they love them. I remember when I came out of law school, I got a job as an oil and gas litigator, $150,000 a year. And I also, because I wanted to be rich, I always kept my options open. So I got, in 1992, a job offer to sell the internet, uh, legal research online. And I went to my mom, who obviously was my advisor, the one who cared most about me, my only trusted person in my life that was always there for me. And I said, Mom, what job should I take? Without blinking, she said, you got to be a lawyer. This internet thing, it's a fad, it's not gonna work. You're gonna make a huge mistake. Just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. If I would have listened to her, which I didn't, thank goodness, I would have probably resented her the rest of my life. Instead, I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. We sold the company for $3.4 billion in 1995 when there wasn't many billion-dollar companies, and my career took a complete accelerated trajectory that changed my life. But yet the person who loved me the most would have inhibited that or stopped that completely. You have to focus in on what you want, who can help you and who you can help by finding the people that are in the situation that you want to be in and figure out how to get it done by paying attention to and giving intention to the coincidences that you want. Not what they want, not what's missing and what you don't want. More people focus in on what they don't want. Worry's a wasted emotion, but it's even worse. It's wishing for what you don't want. So if you sit there and say, oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that doesn't happen. I remember in law school, the rules of perpetuity. Man, I do not want that rules of perpetuity on my test. Please, 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 please. What's the first question every time? Stop wishing for what you don't want. The last thing is prioritization. Know your now. In order to understand why people procrastinate is because they don't know what to do. It's not that they don't want to do something because they haven't done the work to figure out their what, their who, and their how, so they don't know what to do now. 
Prioritization is a key component of what we do because most people don't know what they want to do because they don't know their what, their who, and their how. If you daily look at what you want, who can help you, and how you're going to get it done, you'll easily be able to prioritize what's important to you. 100% of the things you do now get done. The difference between passionate, purposeful, and profitable people is they get stuff done. They prioritize things by what's important. How do you know what's important if you haven't done your inventory, your daily practices? How do you know? Remember, urgency is a subset of importance. Certain things may seem to be urgent, but they're not important. You won't know that. And if you know your what, your who, your how, and your now, then you can apply your why. When you apply your why, you're reconciling the currencies of money and faith. When you apply your why, you're telling yourself, I am healthy, I am happy, I am worthy, and I am wealthy. I live in a world of more than enough, more than enough of everything for everyone that comes through me for everyone. Not to me or for me, but through me with appreciation, forgiveness, and accountability to live in an inspired life. No longer will I go get healthy, wealthy, worthy, and happy I will just clear all the interference that exists between by knowing my what, my who, my how, and my now, and I will apply my why. I'll find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything, and I'll have everything I desire by focusing my attention and intention on it, creating the coincidences I want in my life, hopefully to empower others, to empower others to be happy.